The story I'm telling today is about how I broke my body over the course of six to eight years and how I've been trying to fix it and how I'm fixing it. And I think the story should start at the beginning with soccer, right? So this story starts with me rolling my ankles. Soccer was the biggest thing that I did growing up as a kid. And I would play games and I would roll my ankle and it would hurt and I would have to sit out. But what I would do and what I realized at a very young age is that I could just go ahead and play another game and the adrenaline rush of playing in that game would be so much that my ankle would stop hurting. And then after the game, it just would continue to not hurt. And I would just be like, hmm, okay, well, I guess that problem has been solved. And what I began to realize is that I could just use adrenaline to pave over any pain that I got from actually rolling my ankles. And that just became the way I went about it. And the impact of that had long-term was that when your ankle rolls and you just continue to play on it and you ignore the pain signals, what happens is it gets weak. And as it gets weaker, it limits its own range of motion so that you can't continue to re-roll it. And when your ankle loses its range of motion, your foot has to cave inward. So that leads to your arches collapsing. And then your knees have to cave inward to compensate for the lack of ankle range of motion. This, I think, is how I came across having flat feet, which is something that I have, something that I've been dealing with for the past few years, and something that I will get to later in this talk. So that's step one, was rolling the ankles. Fast forward to eighth grade. This is about my left hamstring. So I remember distinctly eighth grade middle school playing a game and my left hamstring was bothering me so much that I literally just sat down on the field and started stretching it in the middle of the game while people were playing. And then I raised my hand. Whoops. Don't want to fuck up the mic. I raised my hand to come off the field and eventually I went off and I had to sit out for like six weeks to get over that left hamstring injury. And at the time, I thought it was my left hamstring because I was so young and I didn't really understand my body enough. But what it really was, was my growth plate right underneath my pelvis on the left side. And the connection there is that, you know, I had all of these rolled ankles, but my left ankle was weaker than my right ankle, which meant that my pelvis on the left side had to compensate more for that weak left ankle by rising, excuse me, rising up, which meant that I was having a lot of pain in that growth plate because it was higher relative to the right side than it was supposed to be. And so the outcome of that little portion was that I had to sit out for six weeks. I did a few rehab exercises, but I never really fixed the problem. I just rested for six weeks and then after the six weeks was over, the pain was kind of gone and I just kind of got back into it. That's a theme that's going to continue recurring. Resting, not really fixing the problem, and then just kind of moving on. Fast forward to sophomore year of high school. I start playing basketball because I wanted to make new friends and I wanted to be cooler. And 
I was doing layups. We did this drill where you start at one end of the basketball court and you sprint down to the other end. One person has a basketball. The other one is trying to block the other person who's trying to lay it up. I try to lay it up. I get blocked. He comes into me so hard that I land on my right leg on its own in a really awkward position. And I end up not tearing, but injuring my right meniscus. And that was the first time that happened. I was on crutches for about a week or two. I sat out of the basketball team for like two months and I actually did do some rehab. I worked with some trainers on this, but again, I had a period of rest. I did some stuff, but it never fully healed. And then I just got back into it. Fast forward to the summer before college. I am not playing basketball at this point. I'm also not playing soccer. I just kind of felt burned out of all of those things that I had done for elementary, middle, and high school. And so I just, I got into running a lot. And so I was running a lot around my neighborhood and I started getting shin splints. Not so bad that I couldn't run, but bad enough that they were sore and they were starting to bother me. And what I started to realize, and I didn't know this at the time, but what I started to realize was that this was my flat feet catching up to me. You know, I had all of the rolled ankles, low range of motion, my feet, my arches had to collapse, which meant that my shins also had to collapse and they were no longer in the right position. And they're taking all of this force. And so fast forward a little bit more, I get to college and I start dancing because I want something new to get into, but I still have this problem with the shin splints. And so what ends up happening is I get patellar tendonitis. So if you know where the patellar tendon is, it's right where the kneecap meets the shin. And so all of this was just traveling up my body. That shin splint pain became the patellar tendonitis pain that I was getting from doing all of this dancing. And fast forward to the summer in between my freshman and sophomore year of college, I'm training very hard to try to make the dance team at Columbia. And while I'm training, I end up doing this one dance move and I end up re-injuring my meniscus, the same meniscus that I hurt when I got blocked when I was playing basketball. And this is another theme that comes up. I've talked a few times about how I'll have these injuries and I'll take time off to rest and I'll do some things, but I'll never fully solve the problem. There were a few moments during my career here where it was just so much that I just had to stop and I had to see a doctor about it. This was one of those times. At this point, I had re-injured the meniscus. I had hurt my patellar tendon. I have to go see a sports doctor. I go see a sports doctor and they tell me that I have the flattest feet that they have ever seen. Now, at this point, I didn't even understand what flat feet were or what that meant. This was just something that I have been able to rewind and understand now that I'm here. But at that time, I didn't know what flat feet were. I didn't understand how it was related to the shin splints or the patellar tendonitis or this meniscus tear. And so this was probably, you know, the worst piece of advice I ever got was from this doctor. So what this doctor told me to do is he told me to start wearing insoles right? This is common advice. It wasn't just this doctor, obviously, but his advice was that I need to get some custom insoles that I can wear that will basically lift my arches artificially so that everything else will come back into place. The reason that this is not a good solution and the reason I understand this now is because in order for the body to work correctly, it can't rely on something artificial. There has to be strength. I needed to strengthen 
my feet, in my shin, in my shins, in my knees. I needed to learn to rotate them outwards using my muscle, not propped up with some artificial surface. But obviously I didn't know that at the time. So I started wearing these insoles and I'm still training for dance. I'm still doing all of these things. And the insoles helped in that they allowed me to continue training, but they didn't fix the problem. And so fast forward to like winter of my sophomore year, I've got patellar tendonitis. I'm starting to have pain around like the inside of my knee. And I reach a critical point, a very critical point. At this time, I've been training and dancing for like a year and a half. I really wanted to make Raw Elements, which was the team at Columbia. I had tried out now twice. This was the third audition. And so what I told myself was, okay, I have this patellar tendonitis problem. I have this right meniscus problem. Both of my knees on the inside are hurting. Like I need to do something about this, right? And for context, like I had been doing things about this, but I had never actually just taken the time to stop and figure this out and then return to dancing. I was always trying to do them simultaneously because I really wanted to make this team. And so I told myself like, hey, if I don't make the team, then let me just stop dancing. Let me figure this out. And then I'll figure my life out from there. And I think if I hadn't made the team, I would have done that. And I would have gotten to the place that I'm at now quicker. At the same time though, not making raw and not having that be a part of my life just also doesn't feel right. And so anyway, I made the team. I made the team and I just, I just pushed through. I started wearing patellar tendonitis straps, patellar tendonitis straps. When I would go to dance, I would ice after every single practice. I was just, I was just getting along and I was doing it and I was making it happen. And the thing to understand is because I had been dealing with this for so long, I had developed a comfort with it. Like it was a low aching pain that would get worse the more I did. And I recognized that it was a problem, but it was never such a big problem that I couldn't bear it. And I think this is another thing that I forgot to mention that is a, you know, it's fun when you do this because you learn as you're speaking. I think another thing I realized is that when I played soccer, you know, there was a culture of us just kind of, you know, playing through pain. And I think that's something that I clung to and I hung on to even as I became, you know, a young adult and went to college. And so I made the team. I pushed on through the patellar tendonitis plane and everything. And, and then my context changed. So at this point, I'm on the dance team. I'm around all these dancers who have been dancing for a long time. And one thing I noticed is that they could sit cross-legged and I could not. They could sit cross-legged comfortably and I could not. And I was like, I should be able to do that. Like they're, they can all do that. I should be able to do that. I also read an article that told me that if I learn to sit cross-legged or if I can become comfortable sitting on the floor, that will help with my patellar tendonitis. I cannot explain what the, the through line there was, but I was convinced of this idea. And so what I started doing is I started sitting cross-legged all of the time. And little did you know, or that's not the phrase I want to use, but what happened was the patellar tendonitis went away and a new problem emerged, which was I now had pain in my left hip. Now let's, let's connect all of the dots, right? The left ankle was weaker than the right ankle. The left growth plate was higher. My pelvis was higher on the left side than my right, which meant that my left hip 
was compensating, was doing more work. And that's why it started hurting. I started getting into this cross-legged position with weak hips and weak groins. And my left hip had to bear the most burden for that. So my left hip starts hurting. And then that becomes like the, the biggest problem I have now bigger than the patellar tendonitis, which has like kind of gone away. And so I deal with that for like all of junior year while I'm dancing. And then I become artistic director of the team and that's great. And then over the summer, I'm training a lot because I'm preparing to do that. And I just reached this, another breaking point where I'm just like, I can't figure this out on my own. I don't know what it is. This left hip pain just won't go away. And so I go to a doctor, a sports doctor, and I went to a bunch of sports doctors and none of them were particularly helpful. I was able to get little bits and pieces of information. I was able to get some rehab exercises that helped a little bit. And I was even getting like cortisol shots if I needed one before like a particular audition or something like that. Nevertheless, the problems persisted all of the while. And so senior year goes by, I, I get out of my insoles. I start walking with just, um, with just my bare feet and the insoles that regularly come with shoes. I'm working on my hip. I'm working on my knees. I'm actually getting stronger. I'm making a lot of progress through just YouTube videos I'm watching, but the problem still persisted because I could never identify the root cause. And I get to this point where in April of 2019, our big showcase raucous is happening And what I realize is that, okay, if I can just get through this last performance, this last showcase, then I can stop dancing and I can just figure out like what the fuck is wrong with my body. I can actually just take the time to do that because I have never actually had the time to do that. Once all of these things started, I was so concerned with making the team. Then I was so concerned with being on the team. And then I was so concerned with like helping to lead the team that I had never actually had a chance to just be like, no, 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 no. I'm going to focus on these problems until these problems don't exist anymore. And so that's what I did after raucous. I went to a pelvic floor doctor because at some point I had realized that a lot of these problems were actually stemming from my pelvis. That was like the root cause. And I didn't understand anything about my pelvis. So I went to see a doctor and they weren't particularly helpful, but They confirmed for me that there was a problem with my pelvis and my pelvic floor. I got some exercises that weren't helpful at the time because I didn't understand what was going on, but that actually ended up being very helpful later. And I'll get into that. I think the the crucible, the crucible, the climax of this part of the story is that I graduate from college. I go home and I live with my parents and I, and I, I convinced myself that I had a hernia. Because I like, I just really didn't understand what was going on in my pelvis. I had all of this pain. And so I'm like, well, I've heard of hernias before. It's probably that. I go to a doctor and he tells me that I don't have a hernia, but I instead have something that's called osteitis pubis, which basically means that my pubic bone is misaligned. And so this was the crucial piece of information that started the beginning of the process of me getting better. Because I took that diagnosis, osteitis pubis, I found someone online, a guy named Jason, who lives in Australia, who would do these like Skype sessions to work with his clients pre-COVID. And he was the beginning of me getting better because he taught me two really important things. He confirmed for me that my pelvic floor was the problem and that my pelvic floor was overactivated because the muscles that are supposed to Um, comfort is the wrong word. The muscles that are supposed to support the pelvis, the groin, the hips, the, um, the lower abdominals 
all of these were weak on me, which is why my pelvic floor had to work so hard in order to support the pelvis when it's not supposed to. So he helped me figure that out. And then he also helped me to reconnect with my feet. One thing that I remember him saying is that you'll never be able to connect to your feet so long as your pelvic floor is overworking. And so we have to do all of these things at the same time, strengthen all of these different areas, and we have to get you to reconnect with your feet. Because if the base of your body is not connected, nothing else up the chain is going to be connected. He was also a great person to chat with. I think he was the first person that I could go back and forth with and ask questions who knew the problems I was facing and who had expertise. And the work that I did with him got me to a point where I was dancing again. I think it was like November and December of 2019. And then for January and February of 2020, I was going to class and I was, I was dancing again. And that was great. Nevertheless, the problem still persisted. And then around the time that coronavirus started, I had to stop dancing because obviously we couldn't go to class anymore. And I was very deep into Program Peace, which is a website that I came across. And Program Peace also taught me a few really important things. Number one, that my breathing really matters. Program Peace talks about breathing with the diaphragm. At the time, I thought I was breathing with the diaphragm, but I wasn't. And I'll literally, I'll get to this in a second, but I literally didn't realize, figure out how to breathe with the diaphragm until literally like two weeks ago, but I'll get to that. The other thing that Program Peace taught me that was crucial was that weak muscles need to be strengthened, not stretched. So one thing that really held me back, especially with like shin splints and knee pain, is that whenever I felt pain, I was telling myself, oh, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't go there. But what I, what Program Peace taught me is that I needed to perform anti-frailty on all of these muscles that had been injured. All of these muscles that have been injured, they're they're partially contracted. So instead of being like 0% at rest or 100% fully contracted, they're somewhere in between, which means they never actually get to fully rest. And they're doing a job that they're not supposed to be doing because my body is not in the correct alignment. And what that meant is that I actually had to contract those muscles and deal with a little bit of pain to actually get them to a full contraction so they can relax. I had to reintegrate them into my body instead of trying to compensate around them. That was something that I never fully understood because I was always telling myself, don't push into pain. And of course, you don't want to push into really sharp pain. But this dull, aching pain that I was dealing with, I had to contract into it while breathing diaphragmatically. And so during quarantine, I was doing a little bit of dancing. Like I was making TikToks, but I was no longer doing these like hour long classes that I used to be doing. And I was just focusing on the program piece stuff. And then you had George Floyd. And then I moved out of my parents' house. I moved to Oakland and I came across this Instagram account called move you. And now Jason plus program police plus move you plus my own persistence, has gotten me to the point where I'm at now. Move You is more than just an Instagram account. On Instagram, they make all kinds of content and they do lots of things, but they're trying to get you to buy their course. And I resisted for a very long time and I eventually went ahead and bought the course. And it was the best purchase that I've ever made, I think, literally ever made. 
And what they taught me to do was number one, how to align my pelvis, right? So that it's symmetrical forward to back, side to side, up and down, et cetera. They taught me how to align my posture. And I started to realize that, you know, my left side of my body was much higher than my right. And that I didn't have a full, I couldn't feel my, my spine the way that I was supposed to. They taught me how to have good form and they taught me how to strengthen all of these things. I mean, from the feet to the ankles, to the shins, to the knees, to the quads, like they tell me how to do everything with impeccable form. And they also bought into this idea that we need to contract into muscles that have become dormant, that are weak. We need to strengthen, not always stretch or just rest. And that was the thing that I was always missing. I've talked about a lot how there was this theme of I would rest and I would do some rehab exercises and then I would move on. The thing that I was never doing is I I never had an understanding of the way my body works and how these different parts work together. And I never had the concept that I needed to actually strengthen the muscles that were not working instead of trying to stretch them or to just let them rest. I was never going to be healthy and feel good until I strengthened and reintegrated them into my body. And that's what Move You taught me. And so where I'm at now is literally two weeks ago, after thinking I was breathing with my diaphragm for a very long time, I realized that I wasn't, but now I am. I can feel it now, like right there, right below my rib cage. And the way that I got there was actually through another Move You video where they talked about breathing into your sides. Most people say breathe into the belly in order to have like a deep breath. That can be unhelpful because a lot of people will use their abs to push their belly out instead of actually using their diaphragm to contract and push their organs down, which is what pushes the belly out. So I learned how to do that. I'm learning to rehab my ankles by literally just doing basic ankle rolls as slowly as possible, but with the intention of contracting through the full range of motion with my ankle. I'm rehabbing my groin muscles. I'm rehabbing like all of the muscles that surround the pelvis and I'm feeling strong for like the first time ever feeling strong for like the first time ever. And I think with this story for so long, I didn't want to tell the story because I wanted to tell the story when it was over, right? I was insecure and I didn't want to actually talk about all of these struggles that I was having. And what I realize now is that it's never going to be over, over. There's no end of it. The reason I wanted to tell this story right now is because I'm still in the middle of it, right? Like I learned how to use my diaphragm two weeks ago, and that's going to be crucial to learning to calm my body down and calm my heart rate and reintegrate all of these different things. I'm still very much in the process, but I feel so good about it right now. 2021 is my year. I'm putting the foot on the gas. And my takeaways from this story are just that persistence is critical. One thing I like to tell myself is that everything good that's ever happened to me happened because I remained persistent. What I'm proud of, even though it's taking me so long just to get to this point, is that I never actually stopped trying to figure shit out, right? I always assumed that these problems were figureoutable. Literally, over the course since you know the beginning of college, when I started to work on this, there has never been a day where I didn't think I could figure this problem out. Hi, Veronica. There was never a day 
where I didn't think I could figure this problem out. So persistence was there. And then another takeaway was that I had to give up a little bit of who I was in order to get to this point now. I had to stop dancing for, I mean, I literally haven't been to a dance class since February of 2020. And part of that was because of COVID, but part of that was because I needed the time away from it to really just focus on these itty bitty things. I had to give up so much of what I love in order to get to a place where I could do those things better. And I think the last one is just telling the truth about this. I'm proud of myself that I'm still talking about this while I'm in the process of fixing my body because it's never going to be over, at least not in the short term. And I think it's important to talk about this as it's happening. And I think, I don't know how long I've been going for here, but it seems like 20 or 30 minutes, even just doing this helps me to organize in my mind all of these things I've been working on and how proud of myself that I am for getting to this point. And it feels good. It feels really good to tell the truth. It really does.